Welcome, everyone, to the Field Guide Podcast. I am your co-host, Nathan Drutz, your local extension educator for crop production in Stearns, Benton, and Morrison Counties. And with me, as always, you'll learn to love him, is Michael Cruz. He is our is your local extension educator out of Houston and Fillmore Counties. How are you doing today, Mike? Fantastic, Nathan. How are you doing? Oh, it's a pretty good day. I mean, I think it's like negative five outside, which is only probably about 13 degrees warmer, 14 degrees warmer than it has been all week. So uh, I think it's going to be a wonderful day and we're excited to be here with you today. Yeah, me too. You know, it's always a good day in Minnesota when your car starts when it's this cold. So I, I took it as a good sign today. Well, uh, just to get us started here. So this is our new podcast. This is the very first episode. So we thought to ourselves, you know, we would go ahead and introduce the uh, podcast to you guys here today. So our goal is to help create a resource, a podcast resource, as well as a future video resource for growers, as well as other general public in- individuals, where you could come and look and see how things are currently being done out in the farm, as well as getting different local perspectives on the different issues that are facing agriculture today. Mike, you have anything to add to that? You know, it's um, it's really a goal of ours to to give voice and to give a platform to our local individuals, be that producers, be that agronomist, whoever um, who we might bring onto this podcast, right? To focus on the local issues, uh, the things that are going well, and the things that people are trying, and the the challenges that we're facing. So that's that's kind of the goal here. Well, and I think it's going to be a, a pretty good uh, mix of things here. Here in Stearns County, we've got a lot of dairy producers. So I know I've talked with some different growers in this area, and, and hopefully we will be able to get out on farm and on site and get a chance to talk to some of these local dairymen. And as well as we got a lot of row crop production and different alternative and specialty crops in my area. And I know, Mike, down there, you guys are dealing with some very unique soils as well as some other crops and, and things like that. Right. The the producers that we'll probably have, you know, come on here from my area, deal with everything from very flat, big farms out on the west side uh, to the driftless area with a lot of rolling hills. We've got karst topography down here, so it's very easy for us to get water contamination uh, issues because we get very quickly down into our bedrock and down into our drinking water supply. So, a lot of different issues, big farmers, uh, livestock producers, but also vegetable farmers or a range of, of uh, individuals down here that we hope to talk to. Yeah, that sounds great. You know, up here, we've got a lot of sandy, sandy areas. And so we have a lot of issues with nit- nitrate in, in our groundwater. And, you know, there's been some pretty good uh, cleanup cleanup efforts on the Mississippi as well as some of the different watersheds and it's been really fantastic to see so we'll get a chance really to see hopefully all aspects of agriculture and how we influence or interact with our environment on the local level as well as how do we make things work in in ag in terms of profitability and and in other aspects along those lines so great great diversity in terms of what we will be hopefully be able to cover within this podcast over over many episodes hopefully here so well, I guess, you know, the next thing here for us is to introduce ourselves. You know, you, you heard a little bit from me, but I guess, you know, we're going to start here with Mike. You know, it, it's important that you guys understand your co-hosts and know where we come from and, and, and understand what is our background, because one of the big questions here is always is, why are we the ones hosting this and not someone else? And so, Mike, you know, I just got a few questions here. I thought I'd, I'd ask you to see where, where we get to. So first off, you know, tell me about the farm that you grew up on. 
Sure, absolutely. So, so don't hold it against me, but I, I did grow up in Iowa. Uh, I grew up on a, on a relatively small farm in Iowa. We primarily grew corn and soybeans. Um, my dad, I think, uh, farmed at his peak probably around 2,000 acres or so. Uh, did a lot of custom work, did a lot of custom spraying, did a lot of uh, custom harvesting. Um, so, you know, I spent a fair amount of time, you know, out in tractors and, and doing different things. But, but yeah, like I'm a Northeast Iowa farm boy. That's, that's where I come from. My mom was a teacher. So you, you kind of put those two things together. My dad was in ag, my mom was, in, was a teacher, and here I am teaching agriculture. So that's, it's pretty easy to put all that stuff together. Well, and this looks like that, you know, that that worked its way into future efforts, especially in terms of education. You know, I know that you have at least a, a you are actually a, have a PhD or a doctor of all things. So, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about how you went from being, you know, ag educator, you know, for, you know with your mom and dad and, and working your way into the education system. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, after graduating high school, I, I went to Iowa State. Um, so Iowa State has a, an incredible agronomy program, right? So went down there, um, got my undergrad there. And then I actually took a little bit of time away from school. And I, and I worked for uh, an ag research company that, you know, we ran corn and soybean yield trials basically across the entire Midwest. I probably did work in about six different states. Um, you know, I saw everything from, you know, tillage uh, approaches out in Nebraska where everything was dry and they ran the tillage system through the field. And all of a sudden you just see dust flying everywhere to, I was actually up in Minnesota and I saw uh, moldboard plows still being run and everything in between, right? And the, the differences that you see. So it was a, it was a really good learning experience there. But after about a year of doing that, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to go back and uh, kind of address another challenge or, or kind of challenge myself to maybe grow a little bit more. So I went back to Iowa State and I ended up getting a, uh, a master's and looking at crop production and physiology. I did an energy balance work on a different cropping systems. Um, and then after that work, went up to University of Wisconsin uh, in Madison there. Uh, and I did end up getting my, my PhD while, while working there on a bioenergy cropping system. So kind of a range of things that, you know, over that course of time, I also taught soils and I taught some other crop production stuff as well. So you, you kind of look back over my, my career so far, it's like, okay, lots of variety. I can see how this fits into a local educator position. Well, and I know uh, from my area, at least there's a few Wisconsin graduates up in this region. It's always fun to, to run across those guys who believe that the M pattern when you're supposed to be scouting, you know, here in Minnesota is actually the other way, right? You know, and, and so, uh, you know, for those guys, you know, what, what you said, said you taught a few classes in soils and crop production. What were those classes? I'm just kind of curious myself. So I actually, um, my, my main teaching role was at Iowa State. I did the, I was part of the teaching crew that did the intro to soil. So I was the very, you know, grad assistant there that did the very first uh, class there. So everything from labs to just like basic soil science and stuff. Um, and then I actually taught uh, more crops while I was at UW um, because I actually went down to UW Platteville and I taught there for a semester. Um, and so, yeah, like I've actually spent a fair amount of time at a number of different universities and now I'm at another one working for the U of M. So that sounds actually kind of fun, you know, especially in terms of going to Platteville. I mean, I've I've been to Platteville a few times. I've got some friends who went to Platteville. 
And I'm a little scared to ask about that experience in, in, in general. So, um, you know, in, in the end, we're glad to have you here with the University of Minnesota. It's, it's good to, it's good to, I'm glad that you are here. It's been fun working with you here. So, you know, I guess the last question here I got for you is what, tell me about your experience in extension as well as the work that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like most local educators, um, my position here is is very diverse. Um, so everything from master gardeners to crops to livestock and everything in between. Um, one of the special things I will highlight that I've done over my time here is I, I walked into a situation where my position was in charge of doing a lot of farm safety stuff. And over my uh, short tenure here so far, I actually spent a fair amount of time putting together a youth tractor safety uh, training course um, and worked quite a bit on a youth program that we do down here. Um, so yeah, farm safety has been a, been a pretty big part of it. But like I said before, spent a lot of time doing a lot of different stuff. Well, and that sounds pretty exciting there. You know, you talked about your tractor safety program. I know I've interacted with that up here a little bit and I know that that is a pretty big program. Can you tell us a little bit of what that might look like for 2021 here? Yeah, actually, it's um, it's transitioned out of my hands. We got a new regional educator who is who's taking that program over. So primarily, the target there is for um, uh, fourteen and fifteen year old uh, kids that are working off of their family farm um, who actually need to go through this process if it's going to be legal if they're going to use equipment that has over twenty horsepower on it. Obviously, the program is really good for everybody. You know, farm safety in general is a good thing for everybody from, you know, kids all the way through adult age. Um, but yeah, that's our that's our target audience. Um, and yeah, depending on how things go as far as the pandemic uh, and regulations surrounding that go this year, that will determine exactly what that program looks like this year. Great. Well, you know, and, and the other part aspect here, I guess, that we should probably also address is that you, you know, you mentioned that you've worked with adults, you know, this is a huge yeah. part of what we do here is, as, you know, within the AFNR, and you talk, to, talk all about the tractor safety and, and master gardeners, you know, can you tell us a little bit, since our focus is local, talk to, talk to me a little bit about what you expect to hear from local growers and, and the different problems and the different cycles and things that you run into down there. But what I'm really hoping for in this is to hear honest responses, right? Where, you know, we, we see a number of different, whether it's research articles, news articles, we hear things from state and national levels, right? But we don't always hear exactly the voice of a local person and what they are dealing with day in and day out, right? And so what I'm really hoping for is, is honesty, right? Like, hey, yeah, I acknowledge that all these other things are happening, Mike this is what is happening right now on my farm. And if I don't get past this one thing, maybe it's a weed, maybe it's a financial issue, maybe it's a storage issue, you know, whatever it might be, right? But you go, hey, if, you, if I can't get past this one issue, none of that other stuff matters. Okay, let's talk about that one issue, right? Let's get right down to the heart of what is, you know, maybe holding you back or not allowing you to deal with other things. Well, that's pretty cool there, Mike. I like, I like your vision for, for the future of this program here in, the, in our podcast. Yeah, yeah. But hey, at the same time, why don't we spend a little time talking about you, Nathan? Like, tell us where you come from. Like, what's your background? So it's, it's kind of fun because I talked, you know, well, and I had a phone call here the other day with a, with a nice young lady who asked me and she goes, 
you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I could, I could still pick up the, the Missourian accent, if you will. That's, uh, so I come from a, a small town in, in central Missouri. It's not very big. We're known for pecan production. And yes, that is the proper way to pronounce pecan. Uh, I've, I've seen it. And if you ever hear it as pecan or something, that's wrong. It's pecan. Uh, it's so make, make sure that you uh, pronounce that appropriately. But yeah, so I went, I, I grew up in a small town in, in, in central Missouri. I worked on a corn breeding facility uh, with Pioneer for, through high school. Um, we have a, a very great ag program there in Brunswick, Missouri, at, you know, and it's still running pretty strong here today. I went to Northwest Missouri State University for my undergraduate. So I, I received my bachelor's in agronomy and I did what they called was a collateral field. Essentially, I realized uh, from pretty early on that I really wanted to be in some form of education and research uh, that had always interested me uh, from from that early on uh, in, in high school there. And so, you know, I had a couple of great internships, bred some more, bred some silage corn, which uh, is is a little, probably a little bit more um, prophetical at this point than I realized. But uh, worked in worked in South Dakota for for uh, as an intern for for agronomy sales, and then turned around worked in Iowa, and we bounced around some different states through that, and realized again, you know, how much I I really loved research, and so then I went to the University of Wisconsin Madison. So, you know, I, I think we missed each other by a matter of about six eight months or something at that point. Yep. And um, yeah, so I went there and got a master's degree in agronomy, and I emphasized sweet science. So. You know, I, I bounced around. I've, I've done some ag research. I did a, quite a bit of ag research there, and uh, and then went to the univers or went to uh, work in southeast Minnesota, actually down in your neck of the woods for a little bit there. Uh, you know, and 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 was agronomy sales, and then took this position here within a, within extension in in this area. So. A lot of what I focus on here is forage production. We're starting to get a little more corn and soybean production, so I get to get to deal with that. Uh, my passion is weed weed science and and weed control and weed management. That's just you know what it, I guess I I don't want to say inherited that, but I definitely that's what I've been focused on the last few years. And so sure. to see the 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 waterhemp populations in this area have been really fun for me, and and probably not <laughs> as much fun for growers, you know. And I had a, a again another grower who I, I mentioned this to, and so he actually had me go take a picture of a different field because he thought it was because it was just essentially straight waterhemp, and and so th things that that I enjoy most people don't. And I think it's more or less the challenge that that really uh, that that presents itself that really intrigues me and it makes me want to go out and take a look at some of these disasters and, and some of these issues and and then hopefully help growers, local growers, uh, figure out how to control them. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, it sounds very similar to kind of my background as far as like you've worked across multiple states, you've worked in a multitude of different positions, you've got obviously multiple universities now under your belt with a whole bunch of different viewpoints that you get from these. How do you think that type of experience, that range of experiences um, kind of factors into your day-to-day -day work with Extension now? Well, and a specific example would be with my fellow colleague, Troy Salzer out of St. Louis County. He's you know local educator up there. He's probably, you know, he's pretty good uh, a grazer up there you know he's been working on that for more years than I've probably been alive at this point and and so you know we had a conversation there where 
a lot of my pasture management and forage management experience comes from the state of Missouri and the state of Kansas. That's not all that applicable when you get this far <laughs> north. I, you know, the, the temperatures itself, uh, you know, I, my, my grandfather called me here the other day and uh, we got to talking about that. And he was, they were hovering right above zero when we were negative 18, negative 22, something like that. So, you know, completely different scenarios. And, and you always run into that thing where, you know, to me, tall, tall fescue is something of a cool, cool season grass up here. It's more warm season, which is, you know, not a foreign concept, but is definitely a, a different concept. And so, you know, the, the first thing I would say is that it's fun for me. And, and, and what I bring with me is, is that passionate desire to figure out what changes and what doesn't because there's an awful lot of things that will change the further north you move or the further east you move or west you move there's a lot of things that change whether it's soil type temperature rainfall amounts uh different uh, varieties and hybrids and what those look like you know i remember being in south dakota and standing up next to some i believe 85 day corn that i actually could have you know i i, I it was it, it was barely taller than i was mm. and that you know you want to be surprised you know where where i grew up you know and where i worked in cornfields and you walk you walk through those and they've got you know they have you beat by a foot and a half two two foot or more you know and and you're walking around when in corn that's barely above my eye line and it's just it's just a different it's a jet different way of viewing you know some of even the more common crops and of course that has changed some over the years but you know, it's definitely something that's very interesting. The other, other aspect of that is there are things further south that we've figured out that maybe we haven't figured out up here. You know, weed management is one of those where the further south you get, the worse the resistance issues get. And up here in this area, we are very blessed, if that's the way to put it, uh, that we don't have the resistance issues yet. And so for me, you know, I, I hear a lot of these conversations from growers and I'm going, hey, guys, I remember being, you know, between the ages of 10 and, and 15 living in Missouri and hearing the local growers say the exact same things you're saying today. We need to change this perspective. We, we know where, what, what this idea and, and how this how this goes through, you know, in, in terms of how this ends. And so let's let, maybe let's try to dodge a bullet here and actually try to prevent some of these resistance issues from happening by, you know, including that pre-emergence residual and, and putting that, you know, making sure that we have that residual added residual in our post-emergence programs for both corn and soybeans, because that's very important. So, you know, I, it's a combination of both excitement to learn as well as hopefully bringing a little different perspective from people who, you know, have either experienced it already or the work has been done and maybe we just need to adapt it to a, to a Northern climate. Yeah, absolutely. So like, I, I think the the thing that is very common in our positions is that they're unpredictable, right? We might do some programs that we know what's coming up, but we don't know exactly what that next phone call and the next person that's walking into the office is going to put on our table, right? And so, yes, we, we do talk about weed control. Where they, hey, we've, we know how this game kind of plays out. We've seen it in other places. But at the same time, you know, we've got other regional educators. We've got state educators. We've got other local educators that are running programs and research on, hey, it's not just herbicide. Yes, pre and post-emergence is great. How do we use cover crops? How do we use delayed tillage? How do we use all the tools in our toolbox to handle these types of situations. And I think that is one of those things that we want to highlight on this podcast is that there's not a single answer to every situation. You got to think about things 
for your operation, what works for you, right? And so I, I think with that, you know, you kind of asked me this question. I kind of want to turn it right back to you a little bit here is how do you feel about this podcast moving forward? What are your goals for this podcast? What do you what do you hope to accomplish, you know, when you're trying to have these conversations with local representatives from our areas? Well, a lot of it, I think, is just simply getting their perspective. You know, oftentimes I find myself, you know, it, I hear this, you know, coming from some of the older extension educators who are maybe a little more retired at this point. Uh, some of the older agronomists you, you get a chance to talk to and that experience is, is, is a huge part of what we do, especially, you know, for me as a crop advisor, as a agronomist, trained agronomist, you know, one, one of those things is, recognizing that I don't have all the answers and maybe there is a better way of doing something that a grower has figured out and that we haven't. And, you know, and, and so we, we run into this at different points where growers go, well, why can't I just do this? And, you know, so sometimes it's really easy to turn on the blinders and go, you know, I'm going to tow this certain specific line or, or the other. And so really what I want to accomplish here is just bring that diversity of, of thought to the forefront bring, bring some different ideas to the forefront here and, and see, you know, and, and have those conversations with them and see why it is that they're doing it and and what they're hoping to accomplish with that. You never know what people are actually doing out there until you get a chance to ask them and, and, and put them, you know, and, and give them a chance to talk about it and why they're doing it, you know, and, Sometimes we've got those answers out of the gate, right? I mean, you know, we, we understand a lot of, you know, a lot of different things, whether it's from strip tillage, weed management to disease management and insect management. There's a, there's a lot of answers already out there, but in this regard, you know, we've got to, we've got to make sure that we're, that those answers also interact with our local growers in a way that's positive, if that makes sense, you know, and I'm not sure that does, but it, it's one of those things where we've got to make sure that our local growers could take that information and run with it. Because if it's not usable, if it's not pragmatic on that local level, then, you know, maybe, maybe we're missing the mark there and maybe we need to take a step back and, and reevaluate what we're doing. So, you know, from my, from my perspective, just bringing forward some of those local, some of those local growers and, and being able to highlight what they're doing in that diversity is, I think, going to be very important moving, moving on here. Yeah, finding those practical solutions. I think that was one of the things that, uh, was really eye-opening when I shifted from graduate work um, to a local, more hands-on, you know, day in, day out on the farm type deal. Because the the level of detail you you work at in graduate work is not always applicable to what you actually see day in, day out on the farm. Right? There's there's a bridge there. There's stuff where they interact, but how can we communicate? real world solutions that are backed by, you know, the type of research that both you and I did and the type of research that's ongoing here at the U and at other local universities. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that's absolutely right. You know, and, and oftentimes the solutions are sometimes less elegant than, you know, than they appear. And sometimes they're really elegant and they're really beautiful to see. And, and so, you know, and, and I think, to this whole conversation around cover crops that, you know, one topic that we've brought up and I, I hope we bring up many times in our podcast here over the, over the course of, of the run here. And that's something where a lot of growers are doing a lot of really cool things that are specific to what, what they have the ability to do. And that doesn't make them wrong or right. It just means that they're doing something maybe a little different from what we would expect 
you know, what we could do at the university level here. So, you know, again, going, I, I really want to get out and see those guys and see what they're doing and just bring that, you know, because you never, and, and the other part of that too, is you never know who you're, who, you know, who's listening and who might be inspired to, to try something new, which is usually not a bad thing. Hopefully this will also, you know, the, the other aspect of this, making sure that we back this up with sound advice, right? Yes. So that, you know, as, as we go, as we progress that we're, we're providing the best advice as well as the best information and different viewpoints that we can. Yeah. And I, I would say, I would want to add on to just one last thing for my, my hopes for the podcast from my perspective is um, I, I really want to highlight the good work that not only extension, but, you know, specifically our local educator group is doing, you know, one of the things you realize very quickly when you step into a role like this is that you do not have all the answers, but we have a heck of a team that we have been, has been put together around us, both at the local educator, regional state level. Right. Um, and I want to make sure that we have the opportunity throughout this, like you said, this run, um, that we can highlight those good programs, those good people and the way that we're reaching out to not just, you know, the state of Minnesota, but frankly now with all the webinars and the podcast stuff that we're doing out and beyond Minnesota as well. Absolutely. You know, and I, you know, we already brought him up, Troy Salzer up North in St. Louis County. I mean, he's, he's definitely done some work all the way up next to the Canadian border, which is really cool to think about, but you know, it, there's always people, you know, everywhere, you know, whether we, if, when we don't have the answers, someone in our team does, because we've got a wide range of individuals, all of who love to do different things. You know, I think of Shane and, and his love for tree and tree questions and Claire and her love of entomology, you know, and, and really highlighting those local projects as well. You know, I think of some of the alternative forage crops, uh, cover crop work that we're going to be doing in Bend County that I'm going to be working with some of the regional educators, hopefully this year on as well. And my work with Jared Goplin on that, as well as some of the weed management work that, you know, I'm hoping to be doing here in Stearns County as well, that I'll be working with Devlin, our new weed science specialist on, you know, it, it we've got a, we've got a lot of experts in a lot of great places. And so again, it, I, I really hope that we can highlight that work as we go along here and, and put that to, to the forefront of what we're doing. So that a way we can, again, get back to that, provide local perspective, local answers, but also be able to provide that university extension perspective as well, that here's, here's what we're doing and how do we link those two together? How do we get, how do we link our growers with our work and make sure that the, it's all pragmatic and applicable. Well, you have anything else to add for that? No, I think I'm good for today, Nathan. All right, well, for more information, we do have a website, extension.umn.edu backslash local, where you can go and find all of the counties listed. Keep in mind that every county has a 4-H educator. Not every county does have an AFNR educator, but if you do have one, or if you wanna talk, communi- you know, talk with one of us, all of our information is right there on the website if you click on the link for the counties and you can get in contact with us we're always always willing to help and answer any questions that we can about what you might have whether that's on today's podcast or on future podcasts i'd like to make sure to thank you all for tuning in here today again we're going to be putting these episodes out at different points in time uh, throughout the next year and hopefully continue this as a as a project moving forward and so we look forward to uh, having you guys tune in again the next for the next episode as well thanks <laughs>